AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, tell me doctor, where are we going this time? I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkobob. And I'm Griff McCormick. Hey Griff. Hey. So uh, guys, happy 2015. Thank you. Yeah, this is the first podcast episode that we are recording in 2015. Yeah, so it's, it's a brand new year and it's not just a brand new year. It's a very important year for the future, according to the documentary series Back to the Future. You know, I thought Back to the Future just did not have enough future in it. It's all about the 50s. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's because he has to go back to the future. Oh, that's right. But they really, really, back to the they present, really but... rectified that deficiency in the sequel. Yes. Well, they only partially did because most of the sequel still takes place in the 1950s and the 1980s. And and honestly, when you spend some time in the future, you're thankful for that. Oh, <laughs> the future is stupendous, according to 1989, uh, this this 1989 movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Back Back to the Future Part Two was was released in 1989. That's four years after Back to the Future Part One. Right. Mm-hmm. And as many people have pointed out on Twitter at the beginning of this year, hey, we're now in the Back to the Future Two year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the year that they go forward to from. Back to the Future 2 is uh, 
2015. They they in fact land on four at 4:29 p.m. on October 21st, 2015. Right, and uh, I one of the people who actually mentioned that this is the year of Back to the Future to Future uh, was me, and it was on our forward thinking page that uh, <laughs> I, I did post that. Yeah, it was one of those things where uh, I got tired of seeing the meme. I'm sure you guys have seen it too, where multiple times over the last few years, people have. Uh, p- posted a photoshopped version of the time machine, uh, uh, the the time, yeah. yeah, exactly, from the DeLorean, and had the date change so that w- it reflected whatever the current date was that day, and saying today's the day that Marty McFly traveled to the future, and I kept thinking no, it was 2015, and it's easy to <laughs> it's easy to prove one because you can go see the movie, but two. They he traveled in thirty year increments. He traveled thirty years to his past and thirty years to his future. Which oh, is right, approximately a, a generation gap, which yeah. is kind of the point of the storyline. Exactly. So, I mean, that you know, that when I kept seeing it back in uh, two thousand twelve was a bad year for it. I think I saw it three or four times in two thousand twelve. But now we're finally in that year. Uh, we're not quite at that time because, like you said, Lauren, it's October that we're looking at. Uh, yeah, I think that we can chalk up any inconsistencies in the movie with the fact that it's not October yet. Right. I think that by the time it is October, <laughs> all of these things will have come to pass. Yes, there's going to be some pretty dramatic things to happen this year <laughs> in order for that to happen. Yeah. Well, since we're here at the outset of the year 2015, I think it would be great to do a couple of episodes looking at all of the fantastic predictions about the year 2015 made by the movie Back to the Future 2 and see see how we stack up against reality. Honestly, a lot of them were really clever. I just watched the movie again last night. Um, it had been maybe 12 years since I had seen it, like a, like a good chunk of time. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, a lot of the predictions that it makes, and I made little air quotes because those work really well on radio when I said predictions, uh, a lot of their predictions are for the sake of kind of silly jokes. Right. Most of them delivered by Christopher Lloyd. Right. Um, but that being said, a lot of the little details in the movie were actually very canny in terms of telling us what our world was going to look like. Right. Especially considering that, you know, 1985, that's a year or 19, even 1989 when this movie was made. Mm-hmm. That's a year before cell phones became a regular thing that normal people were, were in possession of, right? I mean, the, there were some cellular telephones, but they were pretty rare. Um, and, uh, you know, you think about that in that context, like even today, it's hard for us to predict what the future is going to look like go back 10 years and everyone thought that cell phones were just going to keep getting smaller and smaller to the point where that became a joke. Like it was a status symbol, how small your cell phone was. Mm -hmm. But then we had the transformation of being able to watch things like video on our phones. Now it's important to have a large phone. Actually, um, in fact, I'm going to give a little visual visual aid. I have a new phone that's approximately the size of a truck. (laughs) Yeah, I've uh, I've met bears that are smaller than that phone. Yeah, this this is the I'm I'm holding up the Nexus 6 that I just got yesterday and it is it is ginormous. So, uh anyway, the the point I'm trying to make is that they were even further removed from the 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 wondrous future than we were by definition, and yet some of their predictions are pretty prescient. Uh, not all of them obviously, and and they yeah. were all meant as kind of a tongue-in-cheek sort of jokey way of looking at the future. Uh, Sure, sure. Well, as I alluded to earlier, there are so many things it predicts that we decided we should break this up into two episodes. So today is going to be part one of Back to the Future, part two's 2015 predictions. (laughs) Right, and that's pretty much going to be the title, right, Noel? Okay, so we're moving ahead. (laughs) Okay, okay, let's set the scene. All right. You're, you're, You're a young Michael J. Fox... Uh, I am a young Michael J. Fox. You often, um, I often mistake you for Michael J. Fox. Right. You hop out of your DeLorean just having traveled forward 30 years from, mm. from your comfortable home in the 1980s. And what are some of the things you see in the world around you in the, the Southern California of 
2015. Well, there's tons of stuff to cover. Let's start with the clothing, because that was one of the first things that we get to see in the film. Uh, right. Yeah, of course, any time that you time travel, you have to, I mean, assuming that you're not in the Doctor Who universe in which no one really cares, right. uh, you have to immediately find some kind of clothing so that you can fit in with the local population. Right, so you find somebody of about your build, you knock them out, and you yeah. steal their clothes and leave them naked. That's, that's standard MO, yeah. Or Doc Brown happens to have gone shopping for you and just gives you a bunch of stuff. How right. convenient. <laughs> so uh, so Doc gives a, a few things to Marty McFly so that he can, uh, he can blend in. Actually, he's essentially posing as his own son. Who looks exactly like him. Yeah, because everyone in that universe looks exactly like their ancestors or descendants. I say again, how convenient. Yeah, well, you know. Whatever. So, okay. Uh, no, no, no. Hold on. I remember one big piece of clothing from this. Okay. Which is the automatic lace-up shoes. Yeah, right. yeah. You you put these on, and uh, they they seem like they're kind of not quite fitting you, but then all of a sudden, the little Nike symbol lights up, and the laces conform to your feet. Kind of yeah. goes. Puff. Yeah. It's a power it's, power laces. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds it sounds pneumatic. Yeah. Well, obviously, there's nothing like this in reality, right? Not yet, but there's going to be. Why? This year. Nike is, in fact, working on it. Yeah, they they announced this previously <laughs> that at some point in 2015, they will begin selling shoes that will, in fact, have power laces. Now, they've had mock-ups, like, like shoes that look like the ones Marty McFly wore. They've offered that a few times over the years, the most recent, I think, being 2011. And uh, it even lights up like they, they have <laughs> shoes that light up and they, they look, you know, cosmetically like that thing. Exactly. Yeah. But they didn't have the power laces. All of that changes this year. <laughs> so that technology is actually coming true. OK, so self-lacing shoes actually coming out this year. I can't wait till we see them and, and we can talk about this, like talk about how cool they are or how disappointing they are. Right. I get the feeling it'll be one way or the other. Yeah. 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 But how about the jacket <laughs> that dries itself off? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, when you first when he first puts on this jacket, uh, the, the arms are way too long and then. And it goes self-adjusting and and the, the arms retract. again make yeah. some kind of weird pneumatic noise. I'm not sure why. Uh, and they retract to, right. to oh, be properly fitting. You're right. It's not just drying. It's uh, it's, it's also self-adjusting. It, yeah. 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 Um, and then later in the in the film, we find out that it is also self-drying. Like if you, for example, uh, fall into a pond off of your hoverboard, then it can it can just kind of go fwing. And all of a sudden, yeah, it's perfectly it's like dry. It's like it's filled with hair dryers suddenly. <laughs> I don't want to be a naysayer, but I really, again, don't think I want this technology. I mean, I wouldn't want a jacket that had heating elements in right. it. Don't, uh, I wouldn't worry too much, Joe. <laughs> not, not unless it was for a very specified cold weather expedition kind of purpose. That, that I, I, could, I could see that maybe that would be useful. Yeah, I could see like there'd be some sort of heating element a la an electric blanket kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah, sure, worked sure. into a jacket like that, but not one that would be, you know, I have a motor in it that would that would turn a fan so that ah. it could blow and blow dry your your outfit while you're wearing it. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't seem terribly practical. Again, it, it was one of those elements I think thrown in there as uh, like a fanciful science fictiony. Humorous. Kind it was of thing. more a joke than anything else. Um, that the self-adjusting part, though, and I believe we've talked about this on the show way back in the day, uh, perhaps when we first started out the podcast. But people are working on creating materials that can go into clothing that will allow that clothing to 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 fit your form better mm -hmm. uh, by either um, using using kinetic energy from when you move to to form the to to, to fit the fabric to the contours of your body mm -hmm. or um, or otherwise, uh, you know, just just creating, especially through 3D printing, more customizable clothes. So and at CES, I saw Belty. Belty. It is a it's a belt that adjusts itself to you. So if you are wearing uh, loose pants, it'll it'll adjust so it's snug on you. And then if you start eating a big meal, it'll uh, let itself out a notch all on its own. That sounds like a very friendly snake. Okay, yeah, that's it, cool. yeah you gotta think of it. Think of it as like <laughs> think of it as like the belt itself is fed through a a system that uses rollers to either tighten it or loosen it. The buckle is huge; is not like a <laughs> tiny thing. 
Um, and Joe and I already had a discussion about what might happen should the absolute worst occur. And you're just thinking, this is just way too tight. Yeah. It's yeah. getting worse. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, my, my fear of being popped like a grape, I think, <laughs> is greater than my desire to not have to fiddle with my own belt. Now, we have we have seen some uh, advances in textiles and in coatings for textiles that would prevent clothing from getting wet where the, yes, you know, where water definitely. and oils will just roll right off. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the stain proof clothing that we've seen that's treated by this stuff or has its actual structure made in such a way where liquids will just roll right off. We've seen that, but that's obviously different from mm -hmm. uh, something that will dry itself once it's already become wet. But still, we thought that would be an interesting one. Um, you've got another element here, something I don't actually remember this from the movie. Uh, yeah, okay. So, so there were several like small personal gadgets that I wanted to kind of toss into this category. Um, one is a, a pair of digital binoculars that Doc Brown uses, again, early on in the film. They're, they're the size of kind of like a small Polaroid camera, and they can report, uh, you know, uh, in, in their little display, they report like your distance from the subject. Um, th they can autofocus on human subjects subjects. Mm. And it will also give you a little like XYZ coordinate range uh, that I guess is related to like global positioning or something. But mm. it's I mean, it, it's not it's up on the screen for like three seconds. So. I imagine that must be Biff using it to to spy on uh, Marty. D Doc Brown is using it to spy on young Marty. Oh, OK. Yeah. All right. So um, as it turns out, we do have digital binoculars. Uh, generally speaking, they tend to be cameras and displays that are built into a binocular form factor. So you'll get a pair of cameras. You get that stereoscopic effect that way. Um, they can look pretty far. And, you know, I could imagine building in uh, systems, including things like GPS and a compass and that sort of thing, where you could get readouts that would tell you approximate information about this kind of stuff. I don't know I, I that... I don't know why anybody really want that in binoculars. <laughs> I mean... It, I could see it if it were a pair of binoculars that also acted as an actual camera so that you're taking pictures or video and then you want the geo tag to be in there as well. OK, so I could see it for that. You know, there are I'm seeing more and more apps now that are about being able to map your real life experience to an mm -hmm. app so you can share it more easily on social media. Uh, I sure, can see sure. that. Or, or even like if you're out in the wilderness and uh, you say, oh, hey, I want to go to that peak over there. How far away is it? Um, right. Then, you know, it would be useful to have the coordinates. Yeah, exactly. But uh now, okay. I do remember this next For one. Just spying on people. I, I agree. It's a little <laughs> bit overkill. Yeah. No, if you're if all you're doing is just trying to clandestinely watch someone, there are easier ways. Wait, Unless uh, you're playing D&D &D and you need to know the number of feet between right, you and exactly. your subject oh, right, so that yeah. you know whether or not you can walk to them in a single action. Like how I, many grid squares? I right. could estimate it or I could just <laughs> lift up this handy dandy pair of binoculars. Now, Jonathan, you're not about to steal my thunder on my favorite item, which is, which is the next one, right? The robotic extending baseball no, bat? No, no, no. Oh, okay. You already said it. <laughs> the robotic telescoping baseball bat. Yeah. I remember this. And this, I think, is what the future is really all about. Is about baseball bats that start off short but extend. Because that's useful. Yeah. I mean, I mean if, say you want to store 500 baseball bats <laughs> in a box. So we're talking a typical Wednesday. <laughs> You can't store them all in the box if they're all long to begin with, so you got to shrink them. And then when you want to use them, you just press the, the telescoping extension button and the bat slides on out. As it turns out, the use case scenario that Joe is suggesting has not been uh, compelling enough for anyone to actually develop a robotic telescoping baseball bat not that I've seen. yet. Now, is it... Uh, but it's is early it, 2000s. Sorry. <laughs> Lauren, I have a question about the movie. Is it... Is it Griff in the movie who yes. uses the bat? Yes. He pulls it out menacingly he, as if to hit Marty he, with he, it. He has it behind his back, in fact. And yeah. uh, and and while he is menacing Marty or Marty Jr., I forget which, uh, the, the bat kind of, pneum again, there's this terrific pneumatic sound that they keep using for everything that right. is so inaccurate <laughs> to how yeah. anything would actually function. I guess it could be just normal robotics. I think it'd be hilarious anyway. if, you, if you saw every <laughs> single gadget, every single piece of clothing was actually connected via tubes Tubing to an to... enormous pneumatic. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what I imagined this had to be in order to make that noise. But yeah, so he's holding it behind his back and it kind of telescopes out. It might be useful also to have a smart bat so that it knows <laughs> when to extend on its own. Yeah, like you don't have to yeah. tell it. No, that's not good because if anyone has smart bat and they wanted to menace me, that bat would be like, I just can't. There's I can't extend long enough for you to beat. This guy needs really seriously to be beaten up. Okay. How about some <laughs> other uh, menacing mischief gadgets? Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, another item that I think Griff has could be one of his gang members. Uh, it is kind of like a digital soundboard because when he calls Marty a chicken, you get this great little digital sound bite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except that, but way more digitized. Oh yeah, yeah, one of his little one of his little toadies presses a button. Or okay, something. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, oh, that I, was I, I my memory. Yeah. I didn't catch it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Do we have that amazing capacity <laughs> today? Shocker! Yes. Let's go to YouTube and watch <laughs> some soundboard prank calls. Heck, I've, I've seen people just like grab the uh, like. Things out of uh, uh, greeting cards where you would be able to record your own message oh, in yeah. a greeting mm-hmm. card and, and essentially do that. I mean, it, we've got tons of tech like that. And we even have the soundtrack shirt from ThinkGeek. Did mm-hmm. you guys remember when that that yeah, was one of yeah. that was one of their April Fool's uh, jokes one year that where, got so much attention that they decided to actually make that shirt? Exactly. They've done this several times where they put out a product that they might be thinking about doing, but they haven't actually decided yet. And they want to see what the reaction is for April Fool's. And then they go ahead and do it. The video they had for their April Fool's uh, shirt was amazing where, you know, it's a guy just kind of going through his daily life. But whenever he's in a particular situation, he uses his soundtrack shirt to add the the cinematic feel um, that is appropriate for whatever situation he's in. So when he's being chased, he's got like chase music playing. He sees a, <laughs> he sees a young lady and he presses the romantic music, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is stuff that we obviously have incorporated into all different parts of our lives. Most of us don't carry around a soundboard, but you certainly could. You could. Yeah. Well, you could use your phone. Yeah. yeah. That too. That you know? too. And that's the thing is that again, this, this movie didn't predict the era of the smartphone where a lot of the stuff that, uh, that people do in the future is that they're things that are handled by a mobile device these days. Yeah. Well, I think one of the big holes in this uh, movie's vision of the future and, and most movies, frankly, is the lack of the internet. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the pervasiveness of the internet uh, and, and yeah. of smartphones. That's why, I mean, even the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they envisioned the, the encyclopedia, encyclopedia that you would carry, the actual guide was a self-contained thing. It wasn't, it wasn't connected to some sort of uh, network in the original one. It was all, all that information was stored in this handheld device. And the interesting thing is now we have access to the equivalent of that, but it's through network connections. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and because it, it couldn't be updated in Hitchhiker's Guide. Right. right, right. It was all a stable format until a new one was published. Right. That's what Ford Prefect was doing on Earth, was he was gathering um, research so that he could update the entry on Earth for the next edition <laughs> of the guide. Right, right. Okay. Um, but actually, before we move on from Griff's gang's gadgets say that five times fast. Um, I, I wanted to mention that one thing that will that will be possible in this incredible future of today uh, is that women can be part of your crappy high school gang. Yeah. 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 For the first time in the series, <laughs> yeah, we now, see they're not allowed to speak. Oh, no, no. She has speaking lines. Oh, does she? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She, I don't she, remember her. She has lines. she has like a clawed one finger. Um, and, and it, it, it's, it's a detachable claw. It's not like her finger is a claw. Mm-hmm. And she and she threatens marty or something yeah that's cool yeah i, I yeah. do remember her he's got like a it. really high ponytail that's yeah yeah pretty rad for the sake of equality i'm all for female bullies <laughs> yeah well i mean i guess we've always had female bullies for for a society in which females feel okay about bullying males yeah there you go the future indeed y'all <laughs> all right so um, continuing right. on this bright future and and, <laughs> and various gadgets okay uh this this next device shows up a couple places in the movie um uh first relatively early on when marty is approached by someone looking for donations um for the clock tower which as always is in need of repair right um and secondly when um when someone pays for a cab ride later on yep mm. uh and and that is a little handheld digital credit pad that that can be accessed using a thumbprint like you press your thumb into it and it knows who you are and it just deducts 
uh, whatever you want to give from your bank account. Oh, wow. Biometric payment. We've talked about that so many times Mm -hmm. on this show. And while we don't really see a lot of uh, implementations of that directly, it is something that we've seen indirectly used. For example, Apple Pay using uh, using an iPhone to pay for something through NFC, which is in the iPhone, but mm-hmm. you use you might use your thumbprint as the way of identifying yourself so that you acknowledge the payment going through. So it's not we haven't reached a point where our um, fingerprints are directly tied to our bank accounts, which I think a lot of people are thankful for. <laughs> but we've definitely reached this point where we can have the credit card or uh, currency free monetary mm-hmm. exchange these days. Uh, yeah. And we can we can certainly have like mobile payments anywhere, even without biometrics for through things like like Square or sure. other little credit dongles. Yeah. Yep. So that that one's uh, well, well, the implementation is different today than what we see in the film. It's still more or less, I'd say, I'd say in the same spirit. Mm-hmm. So that one's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they also featured a uh, some kind of ID technique, and I believe it was also through a thumbprint, though it might have been off screen. I I have to admit to you guys, I wasn't paying rapt attention every moment of this film. I I, <laughs> I do not blame you for this, having seen Back to the Future too. <laughs> I'm actually very fond of it, but um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. They they have ID techniques that will tell, for example, a, a cop if they if they scan you, however they're going to scan you, basic person personal profile kind of information like your age your address your name and um can run an immediate drug screening on you oh this is what they do with uh what's her face when they when they find jennifer marty's girlfriend yeah and then they (laughs) they end up because she's been knocked out they end up uh taking her back to what they think is her home because of course her her genetic information hasn't changed at all Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. her her, her fingerprint or her dna or whatever it is that they scan is identical to her future selves right so they just drop her off at her future self's home because they don't know that she's you know not she's not from that time why don't they just take her to jail because, well, because she's just found drug, she's her, found unconscious. Yeah, her drug screening comes back clean. Yeah. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, people don't no, get no, no further questions. People so. don't get thrown in jail <laughs> just for being unconscious in in two thousand. Not not in this well. incredible future. So, um, hey, wait a second. We're skipping over a huge part of this future. Oh, right? uh, I know what you mean. The hyper color baseball cap that yeah. Marty McFly That's wears. That's exactly what I mean. It did come out in the 80s, but was almost immediately abandoned because... No, I'm talking about where we're going. We don't need Rose. Oh. The flying car. In fact, you see it, I believe, at the end of the first Back mm-hmm. to the Future movie that, uh, you know, you take your DeLorean to 2015 and you can get it upgraded so that it can do vertical takeoff and landing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the cars in this in this potential future, uh, that the wheels kind of turn up, and the car can do a sort of running vertical takeoff. Like I like I guess you need a little bit of a landing stretch, but or, or a takeoff stretch. Oh, but... so that'd be like a short takeoff and landing. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Um, and stol. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they do right. They do have hover conversion for yep. older model cars and for thirty nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars ninety five cents. Yes, um, and uh, wow. and and they're quiet like 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 an electric car might be today. Right. Yeah, so we've done episodes on flying cars. We've talked about them extensively on this podcast. And as we have mentioned before, we don't really have what well, we certainly don't have flying cars that your general consumer can get their hands on. Uh, we a lot of the flying cars we've looked at look more like drivable airplanes mm-hmm. and less like a car that flies. But that is some progress. I mean, we, we basically have light sport craft uh, flying vehicles that you could also drive on a road. You you probably need to have some kind of pilot training to fly them mm-hmm. for for the ones that we actually have. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, as we've talked about with flying cars in the past, I want to reiterate my point of view, which is that I I don't think flying cars will ever become a reality unless they're fully autonomous. Right. Yeah. It's oh just, yeah. You I just... I hope that they won't because that sounds <laughs> terrifically dangerous. Yeah. Just Agreed. letting people operate their own flying vehicles around a city sounds absolutely insane yeah so so especially if you've got doc brown popping in and out of existence on the wrong side of the highway and then there's just these two flames that are extending out in the middle of the air for no reason (laughs) uh but like what is what is what is actually on fire (laughs) 
Uh, look, the the DeLorean when it when it goes through time, um, the, the the drag created by even the vertical standing wheels is so great that it catches the, the molecules in the air. The on air fire. itself catches. The atmosphere is yes. burning. Like every time he travels through time, he just wipes out all life on Earth. <laughs> that Doc Brown. So irresponsible. Yeah. Uh, so these flying cars also uh, ha- have an infrastructure set up where where the the highways, I guess, skyways, skyways. Mm, thank you, you're thank welcome. you. Yeah, yeah. Are are lit um, and signed with these kind of drone like floating yeah lights and signs. Uh, I want to raise a point about that, which is that if we were to designate roadways in the sky over cities. I feel like that could counteract some of the positive implications of having a flying vehicle. Like, p- part of what's great about having a flying car, at least in your imagination, is you can travel as the crow flies. Right. So you, you don't need to go in an L shape to get to your destination on right. main roads. You can go straight there in a straight line. And, yeah. of course, that is much more efficient. But if, you, if you're basically having to get on the highway anyway, except it's just above the ground... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, why yeah. why are you even having flying cars at this point? And, and there's there's even a moment in in the movie where where Doc and Marty are trying to get somewhere, and and Doc uh, checks. I, I think in his driving visor, which I'll discuss in, in another second, um, the the traffic conditions, and mm. he's like, the highway is jammed or the skyway is jammed. Mm. We're never going to get through in time. Yeah, um, which is my really terrible Christopher <laughs> Lloyd impression, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So it's basically pointless other than the fact that it gives you more ground space. I, I guess. guess so. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say it could travel faster because it doesn't have the friction on the ground. Maybe sure. but... it, it's it's more than just pointless, though, because <laughs> it's it's counterproductive <laughs> because when you have an accident and you would. Then you have the added complication that your accident is taking place at 200 feet above (laughs) the ground. Will fall down and cause a second accident on the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not just, not just counterproductive. It is actively killing people. (laughs) Well, I, I have another question, which is that as, again, as we've talked about with flying cars in the past, you'd have a large energy consumption problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But flight is not something that is mechanically easy. It requires a large energy investment, especially if you're talking about vertical or short takeoff and landing. Well, yeah, when you have something like a car that does not on its own generate lift, yeah. then you obviously have to overcome all the weight of that vehicle with lift generated some other way. Yeah, so this is a huge problem when you're in, you're imagining creating flying cars. You'd have to have this gigantic energy investment to get it in the air you want to make it incredibly light so that it you know requires as little lift as possible how are they generating this energy in, in uh, back to the future it's, it's no problem they just use fusion Mister, <laughs> oh, you're right, Mister Fusion. Mister Fusion. They just pop it open and throw a beer and a banana peel yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fusion. It's a it's a little car held fusion generator um, that can be retroactively installed and uh, <laughs> and 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 it's powered by garbage. Yeah, here's here's some things organic that I have. matter. Yeah, let me let me, let me list wow. out some of the problems I have here. <laughs> Within. Obviously, we don't have that. Step today. one. Step one is well, that Fusion Industries is not a business that we have yet. Yeah. So we're all just waiting for Fusion Industries. They've got okay. a real short timeline to work on this and get a product out onto the market. But we believe in you. The the step one is that we have yet to have a really efficient fusion reactor generate energy. Uh, we have seen in 2014, we saw... There are research projects. Yes. And oh, in 2014, yeah. we saw the first time where a fusion reactor actually produced more energy than it took to start it. But it only was able to consume 1% of the fuel, meaning it's still very inefficient. So if 99% of your fuel goes unused, that's still not a great story, even though you're getting more energy out of the initial reaction than you did having to put into it. So we still got a long way to go. Secondly, that has nothing to do with just throwing garbage into something. Third, uh, <laughs> even within the the logic of the film itself, this doesn't make sense because in the third film, you find out that the car still runs on gasoline, that the fusion was for the time circuits, not for the vehicle itself, because 
uh, when Marty McFly goes back in time, the fuel line ruptures, and that's why he can't get the car going anymore. Hold on a second. So what do the other cars that have Mr. Fusion on them use it for? I'm guessing that a lot of them are using fuel because there is a Texaco station shown off in the very beginning of uh, Marty's journey back to the future. Oh, well, let's not get into the Texaco station yet. That's a whole other section. But the point being that I think they're still using some sort of gasoline-style fuel, uh, at least for some functions of the car. Keeping in mind that the cars themselves have been, uh, a lot of them have been retrofitted with this flying stuff, it may be that Mr. Fusion is providing the power for flight, but then for terrestrial operation, it's still using gasoline. So it's a hybrid vehicle. I can't, what a ridiculously boneheaded prediction they make that by 2015, we'd still be using fossil fuel powered (laughs) cars. Look, Aww. I spent all last week talking Aww. about that, so we're just gonna we're Aww. just gonna move on. Um, well, how about some other stuff having to do with the cars and the driving? All right. Well, we we mentioned a minute ago um, Doc Brown's driving goggles, and um, they they appear to be completely opaque. I'm wondering if Christopher Lloyd was walking around blind every time he was wearing them. Hold um, on. Wait. 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 Driving goggles. Uh, is yeah. It, is it's, the car it's, like, it's like open a, air? Does no, he have wind well, it, in his face? <laughs> No, it's more like smart glasses. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a visor. It looks, it looks visor. Isn't it silver? It's silver. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I can picture it now. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And and I was thinking while I was watching it that maybe it's like a heads up display. Yeah, or something. Probably. And, uh, and it and he does have a line that made me think that it has like a rear display in the goggles so, that, he can for, see so that he behind. can see behind the car mm. better than just with mirrors. See that, that is entirely possible. I mean, it's, it's, we've got smart glasses that are coming out now that can do things like feed video into the glasses. I don't know that we're going to see that become something acceptable in like, I, I'm sure we're going to see legislation actually banning that kind of stuff for drivers behind the wheel of a car. But with the blast shield down, I can't see a thing. How am I supposed to fly? <laughs> All right, Luke. Um, Listen, you separate, go play with your power converters. And let the adults talk. For separate, a while. incredible future past that we're talking about yeah. there. That's an entirely different universe. Yeah, we, we talked about that with the lightsabers. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, the, the 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 car, the the DeLorean for the future, also does have a metallic barcode license plate. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, also mm. unnecessary. I mean, I wonder if that would be an improvement. No, no, no. Because, I mean, if you have a database that has everybody's vehicle registration in it and it's linked to a, an alphanumerical uh, license plate, that's going to be a lot easier for someone to relay over a communication device and saying, oh, it's a barcode. Let me scan it. Well, there, though, you're assuming that it's a human reading. Oh, yeah, I guess but, a, I guess a machine could read alphanumeric or a barcode. Yeah, we already and a have. a human could only read alphanumeric unless exactly. they were, I don't know, really... Yeah. Good at reading barcodes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing is that it, by the, when this was made, we didn't really have image recognition systems like the right. software and the hardware that would be able to take a picture of a, a license plate and be able to machine read that. But now we have that. So there's no need for the barcode, right? You could totally that's get that point. same information from you know, off the shelf stuff today, which is really the the crazy thing is that you could get like a webcam of a decent clarity and some software and you could read it. But I think it is worth pointing out that what this implies with the barcode, even if it underestimates our uh, our technology's ability to read alphanumeric, it is, I think, sort of assuming something that has come true, which is that you will have machines looking at your car and identifying you without a human in the middle. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. like true. Yeah. Traffic cameras now mm-hmm. that we have that will automatically send you a ticket looking at your license plate. Mm-hmm. Yep, that that is true. That is a great point. Uh, yeah. I, I can't disagree with that. So, 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 so we'll give them partial. Good credit. job on that one, <laughs> technologists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. C- kind, kind of, sorta. Um. And and the last point that we have here in this little kind of cars section is going back to those to those gas stations yeah. that we talked about. Yeah, and and they, they appear to be automated, this this Texaco station, because this film is chock full of product placement. It's oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. I'm actually really proud of how well they integrated product placement. Yeah, well, <laughs> and Tex- Texaco appears prominently both in in all three eras. Mm-hmm. So it's in it's in the the Marty's present, it's in the past and it's in his future. It does not 
Uh, they do not, however, appear, as far as I am aware, in the Old West. <laughs> Which maybe there's just like a feed station owned by Tex and Company. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I don't know. I don't, I, I don't remember. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, uh, so, so there's this, this Texaco station with, with like an automated robot service agent. Yeah, like a like a like a robotic gas pump. Mm-hmm. It actually extends out and uh, begins fueling a car that's parked there. Pumps gas into the back seat of your car. Exactly. It's just <laughs> just just spraying your automobile with flammable f- fuel. Yeah. Uh so we don't have these stabs you with a squeegee. We don't have the automated ones. We got a lot of self-serve stations, but <laughs> but not robotic ones. Well, mm-hmm. what we do have now in a lot of cases though this isn't really astounding to Almost anybody who drives because we're used to them now. We have we have like prepay stations yeah. that you can pay for your gas without going inside. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is very convenient. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, also, I don't believe it was gasoline. It was, that was Havoline. Havoline. Whatever. So, whatever. That don't means. know what it is. It's just on the sign. Uh, huh. And and it. And it the prices range from $7 to almost $9, depending upon the type of Havoline you want. I, I base this entirely off a screenshot that someone <laughs> took. Havoline. Havoline. It's like fossil fuels derived from ham. It's a good guess, Joe, but it also could very possibly just be a proprietary name for that company's fuel in uh, the future. So it could just be that it is gasoline, but they call it Havoline. Well, I want to transition to another point. Please do. I recall a scene in Back to the Future Part 2 yeah. where where uh, Michael J. Fox wanders out onto the street in front of a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the movie theater is showing what it calls a hollow film yeah. of Jaws 19. Mm-hmm. Number one, I am very disappointed that we have not reached Jaws 19 yet. <laughs> I think the last Jaws what film was, was Four. Jaws 4, the Jaws Revenge. the Revenge, which is a wonderful movie. I, mean, it, I really thought that there were five or six of them no, out there it's somewhere. Jaws 4 starring the brilliant Michael Caine. Maybe I'm just thinking oh, of yeah. some of those Sharknado movies or something. I'm not sure. No, Sharknado and Piranha have both made direct references to Jaws. Oh, yeah. And there, there are easily 19 terrible shark movies yes. since Jaws. <laughs> but uh, they're shark. not within the Jaws franchise. No. So, But anyway, they're advertising Jaws 19. <laughs> this time it's really personal. That's what the tagline <laughs> is. And... I don't know exactly what kind of difference they're imagining in upcoming film technology, but I get a whiff of unrealistic ideas of sort of holographic projection. The things we've talked about on the show before where you have a projected image that is three-dimensional, freestanding, and can be viewed from 360 degrees. Uh, I think as far as I know, we're, we're still... It's a nix on that. That's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and even if the film itself is not in quite that format, definitely this this advertisement for it is this this billboard. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So a, a big shark comes up out of the movie theater mm-hmm. and You're being very down. generous to call it a shark. <laughs> a big, oh, a big uh, cartoon shark, a big jabber jaw yeah. comes up out of the movie theater <laughs> and chomps down on Michael J. Fox and he quips that it still looks fake. Yeah. Which it does. But I, heck, I would be impressed if the if a movie theater could project a three dimensional image that could be viewed from any angle and would come out into the street. Right. So there is such a thing as glasses free 3D, which can give you the effect of seeing uh, an image appear to be coming out from a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this often is used in um, in in displays for businesses, things like uh, like casinos, for example. I've seen them there. Um, and you, there have been some glasses-free 3D television, at least prototypes that have been created. Uh, but this is not a hologram. It's not something that you can view from any angle. If you were standing to the side of this display, you wouldn't see anything mm-hmm. being projected out from the screen. You have uh, to be in a sweet spot to, to get the effect. Uh, yeah, yeah. The same is true for, for the Pepper's Ghost Illusions, yes. which uh, we discussed at length in our episode about holograms. Right, right. So in, in the case of glasses-free 3D, uh, you might be familiar when you're watching 3D with glasses, what's really happening is your left eye is getting one set of images, your right eye is getting another set of images, and your, your brain gets tricked. Yeah, your brain combines those two into the experience of seeing a single image, and that's what gives you that illusion of depth. 
uh, assuming that the film was made well enough. Uh, keeping in mind that 3D movies are made using an average of what most people's like the average width of uh, or distance between a person's eyes. And depending on how your eyes actually match up to that average, your experience may be, you know, fairly uh, convincing or it may be uh, headache inducing. Oh, man. I wonder if that's why I hate all 3D movies, if there's something wrong with my eyes. Well, <laughs> it may not be that there's anything wrong. It may just be that you deviate from the average to a point where mm -hmm. that's the problem. And it's not a, it's not that something's wrong. It's just that. You're not average. I think you should be proud of that, Joe. <laughs> but at any rate, um, so the glasses are doing that work, right? There's a filter that lets one set in or a shutter that's letting one set in and keeping the other set out. Either way, with glasses-free 3D, that stuff is built directly into the screen itself. So your left eye is getting one set of images, your right eye is getting another, but it's all based upon the screen and where you are standing. So if you imagine that the television is at the center of a pie, and you can only stand on essentially one half of that pie. The, the, the half that's behind the TV is useless. Uh, but imagine that there are slices coming out and they all converge on the television. If you are standing or sitting in the middle of a slice so that, you know, you're, you're nice and comfy, then you're getting the ideal situa uh, situation. You get the ideal viewing experience. You can get that 3D effect. But if you're straddling one of those, those cross, those, uh, those, uh, cuts, you know, between the slices, then, you're not getting those images properly and it's going to look like a big old mess and it's going to be totally out of focus and disorienting. Related to media, I did want to mention that um, that they have news drones to, to take pictures and audio and video, mm -hmm. which which I mean, I guess aren't that far off. Now, we've got <laughs> drones that have cameras you know, incorporated into them. We've got consumer drones that have cameras incorporated into them. Uh, um, I think the main issue there would just be knowing when to have them trained on an, on an event that's newsworthy. Well, we also have legislation right now that very much limits the commercial use of drones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and these drones were like right up in people's faces. Yeah. So. So, yeah, we, we haven't reached a future where we can use those kind of drones freely. Uh, however, in relation to the news media, everything is still printed on paper newspapers, like with paper, like yeah. with tree pulp, like dead trees. So newspapers still exist in 2015. Okay, no, yes. But there are fewer of them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is just an example of Doc Brown having been from the past, um, really sticking with, with one particular type of, of news media kind of like and, how how vampires tend to stick with their their whatever was in style when they were first turned yeah yeah and that's how you can tell a vampire it's the one that's wearing the edwardian uh -huh. outfit Absolutely. or is sparkling one of the two those are the two giveaways <laughs> i'll take your word for it okay okay hey i have something else i want to bring up from right, back to the bring future it up. part yeah. two i remember there's a part where the mcfly family has a hankering for some pizza Yes, indeedy. And they get a little hockey puck disc kind of thing. <laughs> yep. Stick it in some kind of rehydrator a machine. Black and Decker hydrator. Yeah. They shut the door, press the button. Like three seconds later, it comes out a steamy pizza that's yeah. ready to eat. Yeah. And, and even that's too long. The, the McFly yeah. children are complaining at how long it's taking. to. <laughs> and then you've got like, you sure can rehydrate a pizza. Like, that's the compliment to the chef. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have this. Yeah, I understand that this is pretty much just for a joke. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't see anything like that on the market. No, we've got dehydrated foods, and there are some dehydrated foods that you rehydrate by boiling them. But that's mm -hmm. that's not exactly a time saver. It is a space saver. Certainly. And it can mean that the food is... Uh, edible for longer by removing the moisture. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've got a lot of space food yeah. that enters into this category. But no, we don't have a hydrator yeah. like oven-like device. And it, and it wouldn't make your pizza crust crispy. So no. I'm not yeah, really gross. sure. You just have a big old wet mass of dough and cheese yeah. and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Um, it is voice activated, though, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is It cool. wasn't so much a push a button as much as a talk very closely into it. Yeah, it was like hydrate level four or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also in the McFly's kitchen, they have a kind of like hydroponic looking garden in the ceiling that that bursts down. This is really quite large. I mean, like you would have to have an entire floor in between your floors for the size of this kind of 
hydroponic garden. Mm. But yeah, they, they, they call it down and it's got some like grapes and herbs growing, stuff like that. I think that's actually a great idea. Yeah. Well, and we've all talked about that in the kitchen from the future type stuff. You know, we've, we've mentioned the idea of a, the kitchen of the future having some kind of hydroponic style garden where you can get your hands on fresh stuff. Um, a lot, mostly in urban areas where you mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily have access to it otherwise, or not easy access maybe. Uh, right. but it's not something that we see in the, 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 average home today. Though even this kind of realization of it makes sense to me, that you would have a, a something that folds up into the ceiling where it could be right under sort of a glass area where it could get sunlight. I don't know. That, that makes sense. That's doesn't, I want that in my kitchen. It doesn't work. I don't want it in my kitchen. <laughs> my kitchen is directly under my bedroom and, oh. and well, guest bedroom. Well, you just bedroom. need to build a new house. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Oh. Um, I'll make sure to get my Mr. Fusion to help me you know, power all this amazing technology. <laughs> uh, the, the last thing of note in their kitchen, um, and I was so fond of this looking back on it, uh, is they've got this, I, I assume it's like a recipe station. It's called Master Cook, and it looks exactly like the faux recipe stations, the little video screen recipe guides that they had in some of those 1950s kitchen of the future. Oh, no. It looks precisely like it. It it was so it's it's very it's very cute. Folks at home, you should look these up if you've never seen them before. We've talked about them on this podcast previously. GE was the company that was sponsoring a lot of these videos. I don't remember. It was great. The kitchen of the future where they imagined how. No, the funniest thing is like they still imagined that 100 years into the future that mom's going to spend all day in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry. Our gender stereotypes will be firmly in place. Right. Yeah, no. So she doesn't actually have to cook, but she's still in the kitchen all day. Instead, she <laughs> well, just hangs out she there and do? figures out which buttons to push. Probably a lot of Valium. So yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> but but <laughs> I like yeah. you're combining the promotional videos with Mad Men. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so in these videos, they'd have like... Mom's thinking about what to make, and she's got some kind of, like, looks like a TV screen with recipes on it, but she doesn't make the food. She just pushes a button, and then they come out of some kind of conveyor belt. I like that Lauren's version is mom's thinking about her third glass of wine for the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the the look on the on the nice actress's face in the video, and I'm not sure if it was a intentional portrayal or if she was directed to do so, or if that was just what the actress was feeling that day, but she's... She's a blank slate, y'all, in Just those dead videos. Inside. She's, yeah. Yeah. It's very Stepford. Let's talk about some of the home electronics that are, uh, that are, that appear in Back to the Future. Calling them featured is probably being, going too far, <laughs> but, but yeah, appear yeah. in it. Uh, yeah. one, one thing that's referenced, but that is, is not actually shown is the video games of the future. Right. Because you do have a couple of, uh, young punk kids who, who go up to a old arcade box in the 80s cafe. Mm-hmm. <gasps> A vintage thing. I remember this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and, and Marty says, oh, I can show you how to use it. And, and it's got one of the little wired guns. Right. And he shoots some stuff on the screen. And they're right. like, oh, man, you have to use your hands. That's like a baby's toy. This is also <laughs> a great illustration of how Back to the Future 2 was merely a bridge between the first one and the third one. Because this was just <laughs> to set up Marty McFly's ability to shoot a pistol in part three. Anyway, the them saying like, oh, you you know, you have to use a, uh, your hands. That's a kid's toy or baby's toy. Um, you know, we do have lots of examples of video game systems that allow you to not have to use a controller, although many of them you still use your hands because you're gesture controlling uh, things like the Kinect or, or, you know, PlayStation even has their camera system that allows you to do hands free gaming with certain titles. Um and those are just two recent examples. There have been tons of attempts to go to this kind of approach. I don't know, because if you're saying, like, even if you're not having to hold something in your hands with the Connect, you still would be using your hands. Which is, yeah, that's what I said at the beginning, was that, you know, you still are gesture controlling, but you can also do voice control. So what I'm imagining they're saying is that you've got a brain-computer interface, that they play their video games by plugging a cord into the back of their head 
Despite the fact that there's no port visible. Well, uh, so we're, we're more, good at hiding it. <laughs> more along the lines of virtual reality, like like Demolition Man style, yeah? Yeah. Well, see, you are guessworking here, because there's no indication. <laughs> you, we don't see the video games. I mean, that is a possible answer, but we don't actually see what their video games are, so we don't know what the implementation is. But we we have voice control. We've got gesture control. Um, we're even starting to see some brain-computer interface stuff, though not on the consumer level necessarily, at least not beyond something really rudimentary like, a, you know, concentrate. And you can make this fan blow harder, which will make this ball float in the air a little higher, which will allow it to go through an obstacle course. Best um, game ever. Yeah, I, I got to... I watched people use it at CES, and I was determined not to be one of them because I didn't want to show up on B-roll on someone else's story <laughs> about the thing. But uh, watching people, like, scrunch up their face as they're trying to make a little ping-pong ball float a little higher in the air was kind of entertaining. But we don't exactly know what the interface was. Clearly, still, right now in 2015, early 2015, we're still very much dependent upon controllers. So if that changes dramatically... uh First of all, I, I, this one, I think it, the ship has sailed. There's no way for it to change dramatically enough where a little punk kid is going to assume that that's the norm now and that using your hands is for babies. There's not enough time to pass. We would have need to have gone to hands-free at least five years ago. Another objection I would raise is that <laughs> babies aren't very good at using their hands for things. And I would think that something you need strong dexterous control for would be something that's more adult right. but anyway i do maybe think it's... those kids in the movie were just idiots <laughs> which you know <laughs> suggesting that there will be idiots in 2015 is a prediction i can completely get behind hey uh another prediction that is vaguely plausible are these um handprint scanner locks for the yep. front door of ah, the home. more biometrics right. yeah because yeah, yeah. uh, again when the cops bring um What's her face home, Jennifer? Um, <laughs> when they bring her up to the house they think is her home, it's actually her future self's home. They use her thumb. <laughs> they actually grab her hand and use her thumb to unlock the door because she's still unconscious at this point. And they bring her in and she's they slump her down on the couch and then they leave because, you know, they've done their civic duty. So uh, the thing is that biometrics to to open up locks, not that unusual. There actually are some examples even on the consumer market where you can buy a lock that has a scanner. It's usually hidden behind something like it's got a, the lock itself has got a little hook. And the idea is you put your finger on the inside of that hook and it scans your finger. And if your fingerprint matches, then it'll unlock. So that way it's not exposed to elements. People don't see what kind of lock it is. Um, right. But you can, you can get those. The, the kind of morbid criticism of such a thing is that someone could enter your home by cutting off your hand right mm -hmm. right Which, or, or even getting a getting a really decent photograph of your hand at this point and which is why I mean, depending I, on the exact type of scanner exactly but. that's why i prefer the scanners that are scanning for blood vessels mm -hmm. and preferably ones that are scanning for blood moving through the blood <laughs> vessels because then it'd be like well that's a dead finger i'm calling the police <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, hey, what's this thing about digital windows? I don't remember this. Um, so there's a there's a window shade over their actual window, their their actual living room window, right. because their neighborhood has turned pretty seedy in, in the intervening years. Um, uh, so, so they've got this window shade that's this really shoddy digital screen. Um, yeah, that's tuned to some kind of relaxing channel. Yeah, at one point they have scenery. like just a like a, a cityscape scene mm -hmm. outside, so it looks like a beautiful skyline type of thing at night. Uh, and then at one point they finally do lift the shade up, and it retracts. So it's it's one of those retract. You know, you pull down and then it it'll it'll retract up into itself, mm -hmm. cartoon style. It's the ones that always go flappa 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 in the cartoons. Uh, I did a hand gesture that would have been very helpful if you could see me. Um, at any rate, uh, there are two ways you could do this. You could have an OLED style screen, which can be flexible, mm -hmm. and you could actually have the shade itself be a display. Or what would be easier in my mind is it would just be a reflective screen and you would end up projecting um, a, a scene on that using a small projector. And we've seen small projectors become more and more common. Mm -hmm. Uh, even high resolution small projectors, like things that you could you can slip it into your pocket if you need to take it on a trip and then use it to show your PowerPoint presentation to 
the 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 board or whatever. You know, I think it was in our episode about Minority Report that we talked about transparent screens. Right. Where there are people who are actually working on this, but it sounds like what they want here is actually not a transparent yeah, screen. Yeah, this was an opaque it's a, screen. Yeah, you basically yeah. just want a regular screen where you actually <laughs> don't see outside. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of... And they do lift it up, so you do see the window behind mm-hmm. eventually, but... right. It's one of those things where it's it's kind of it wasn't pre- it wasn't going far enough because you could get a transparent display. I mm-hmm. played with one at CES just recently where you can see right, you know, when, when the screen is clear, like when there's nothing being projected on it, you can see straight through it. And when it's acting as a display, it's nearly opaque, uh, depending on how dark the image is that's playing across the screen. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny to me that this is a case where it didn't quite go far enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, another thing kind of like that, they have these, their home television in the, in the Fly's home is this very large widescreen TV that looks a pretty um, analogous, analogous, analogous. analogous. Um, to, uh, to the kind of televisions that many people have in their homes these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it has multi-screen viewing capacity, which mm-hmm. is a thing the televisions have these days. Um, although all of the images within this little multi-screen setup are in standard format. None of them are widescreen. No, they're four by three. They're, they're mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 16 by nine. Which I thought was very charming. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and all the kids apparently watch like six screens at the same time. Right. Which is actually pretty prescient, yeah, um, according like, according to data from how people are frequently watching things on their smartphones and a television and a laptop or et cetera at the same time. I can't You've keep got up. 14 tabs open. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I definitely have been guilty of having multiple screens up, but I, it means that I'm not paying attention to anything, really. It doesn't mean I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not absorbing anything at that point. But yeah, you can, there are services, television services that allow you to have as many as nine different channels on display on a single screen, um, simultaneously. It, it's also voice activated. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, we have systems like Sony or, or, uh, uh, Xbox, the Connect that allow for voice activation. And we, we're even seeing that built into some televisions now as well. So that's not that unusual. It's not, it's not common where again, you would see it in your average, uh, consumer's home, but it is possible. And the fact that it was a wall-mounted television was actually really forward-thinking because that's the way a lot of people watch their TVs now. And not... that was not something that was big in 1989. Yeah, yeah. I And, and that it was a flat screen, too, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and one more that I really want to talk about um, before we... Uh, break for for the second episode is that they had a thermostat with with uh, multiple programmable controls. Like mm-hmm. you can just walk up and press a button, and it will set the temperature and and presumably a number of other controls to a a, a whole set of whatever you told it to be. Interesting. By yeah. That button. So which, complex environmental controls. Yeah, yeah. Which we've got. Yeah. Nest yeah. Nest came out a couple of years ago yeah. and has been really popular. And oh. Now we've got a lot of competitors on the market mm-hmm. too. These are all learning thermostats that make it very easy for you to change the temperature of your home. And it also can even have learning algorithms so that it knows what your preferences are. Or it can detect if there's no one in the house and make sure that you're not heating an empty house. Mm -hmm. Or you can um, set it to to do a thing at a certain time of day or you can uh, trigger it when you... When you're coming home right. or it can automatically trigger when you're coming home. Mm-hmm. So so on, honestly, this is another thing that didn't quite look far forward enough in that. Uh, I mean, the fact that that older Marty has to go up to the wall and poke a button on it is kind of right. outdated. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this was fun. This was a fun first episode. We still got a lot more. You're probably thinking, hey. There's one incredible piece of technology that's in Back to the Future 2 that you guys didn't cover. Well, you know, we that's had to, on purpose. You had to save some stuff for the second episode. We actually moved things around to make sure about it. So uh, make sure you join us for our next episode where we will conclude this discussion and hit several more and talk about the things that are possible that are not possible that might be hoaxes or jokes. Hint, hint. Uh, and if you have any suggestions for future episodes, you should let us know. Send us an email. The address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. Drop us a line on Twitter, Google Plus, or Facebook. Uh, on Google Plus and Twitter, we are fwthinking. Just search fwthinking on Facebook. We'll pop right up. Leave us a suggestion, a comment, questions, anything you like. And we will talk to you again really soon. 
For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 